She is exactly right. This is the Employment Law Show. Skulls here along with Leah Moody, the most positively reviewed employment law firm in Canada that you can check out. Sam Firu, Tamarkin, LLP. Have a look at that. We are ready to go. We hope you are as well. Good afternoon. It's, uh, what, six minutes after four o'clock, so we are ready to rock. The phone lines are open. So your calls, bring them on, 604-280-9898. You're still uh, still struggling with a temporary layoff due to COVID-19. You're not sure what to do about that. Maybe it's a severance package. Maybe you just feel that you're not going to be called back to work. And uh, what are the next steps? Doesn't matter. Bring it on here to talk about it. Leah Moody, of course, is hosting. And we're uh, busting out some new talent tonight. Uh, Aliyah Varani is going to be here. In fact, she is here waiting, standing by, ready to answer more of your questions. So I can literally shut the hell up. I don't have to say anything. Not that I know anything. So that's okay. I can do the ins and the outs and uh, let you guys do all the heavy lifting, which is, uh, you know, if you ask my wife, what happens every week anyway. So we have two experts on the show tonight with Leah and Aaliyah. So don't get confused. It doesn't matter. Make the phone call. That is the point. 604-280-9898. You prefer to send along an email. We'll see if we can get to a few of those this afternoon as well. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. First of all, Leah, how you doing, pal? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, John? I am awesome. And uh, welcoming Aaliyah to the show. Hey, Aaliyah, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for the warm welcome. See, she's ready to go. I've seen, I've, I've been watching you do the Facebook Lives for the firm. You're doing good stuff. So we're like, okay, who else can we get in here the week before Christmas when she's probably incredibly busy? <laughs> Aaliyah would be perfect. So <laughs> we decided to bother yeah. Aaliyah and get her going on the show. But, guys, we got a lot to get through. Uh, today we're going to talk about severance oh, yeah. deadlines, everything you need to know. But I know each of you have uh, a situation that you uh, have been dealing with as of late, uh, the week that was. I'll give you first crack at it, Leah. How are you, pal? Uh, tell us all about it. Yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, I'm good. Like you said, John, you know, it is uh, it's the tis the season for employment mm-hmm. law issues far and wide. Um, and Aaliyah and I, we are employment lawyers here in BC. And this show is dedicated to talking about situations that come up in my daily practice and Aaliyah's daily practice and to answer your questions. So first and foremost, this show is here to answer your questions. You know, we are also striving to be informative so that if you are a longtime listener, no time caller, you can at least still glean some helpful information from this. But if you're listening in and you hear something that sounds like a situation that you're going through and you want to ask a question about something that's going on in your workplace or a change that's been made to your job or an employment agreement that's put in front of you for the first time or anything really related to your employment relationship that doesn't just feel right and you want to get some answers and clear the air, give us a call. Uh, Aaliyah and I, and John, I think you're being modest about your knowledge about employment law in this case, because all three of us can probably take a crack at answering these concerns. So we'll, we'll jump in first and foremost with, with what I want to talk about. And I think Aaliyah and I are going to be talking about the, one thing under the global umbrella of COVID, because okay. it just has seemed like over the last couple of weeks, there have been a lot of COVID-related issues as they pertain to employment relationships. And I know that I have been answering a lot of questions in that regard. Aaliyah has been answering a lot of questions in that regard. And we've been doing a lot of media interviews on it. And so one of the questions that I have been getting the most have to do with vaccines. Um, And I mean, first of all, just as an aside, I'm so thrilled to be talking about vaccines. Um, yeah, right. And, you know, not what we're going to do for the third, fourth, fifth wave um, mm-hmm. ad infinitum. But it, it's, you know, vaccines still, you know, cause their own issues, even if overall it's a good thing. 
Um, and one of the main things that people have been wanting to know is what are an employer's entitlements with respect to requesting or requiring that their employees get a vaccine. And there is a pretty big difference, and some people don't think that there's much of one, but I think that there, it is a distinction with a difference, certainly from a legal perspective, that an employer can uh, certainly encourage you to, uh, to get a vaccine, they can ask you to get a vaccine, but they cannot make you get a vaccine. Um, they cannot, you know, force you to put a needle in your arm. And so if it's something that you mm -hmm. are not comfortable with, you are not required to get a vaccine. Uh, now, the follow up question to that is, can I be fired if I don't want to get a vaccine? And then, of course, that's where it starts to get really thorny, especially here in B.C. So if you are an individual who doesn't want to get a vaccination for medical reasons, or for religious reasons, those are grounds that are protected under the BC Human Rights Code. And because of that, if you are making that decision or any decision on those grounds, your employer can't fire you. In that case, your employer is likely going to have to accommodate you in some way, either by allowing you to continue to work from home, maybe continuing to have you on an unpaid leave, or even just continuing to sort of implement all of the safety measures that are in place right now. Um, so, you know, that is something to keep in mind with respect to vaccines. But in B.C., it gets really interesting because political belief is a ground that is protected under the Human Rights Code. That is not a ground that is protected uh, in all provinces, but in British Columbia it is. You cannot be discriminated against in your workplace on the basis of a political belief. And uh, this started a, a hot debate, hot, I think, probably only according to lawyers, boring to most other people, um, <laughs> about whether or not this would be this would be a political belief. And my view is that, I mean, it's certainly become a political issue. It has definitely been politicized, probably more in the United States than it has in Canada. Uh, but I don't think that that makes it a political belief. I think that in BC, you know, if you were to say, I align with the Liberal Party and then you were fired. That's clearly a political belief. I think that right. saying you don't want to get vaccinated and the reason why you're not getting vaccinated has to do with your political beliefs. I think that that's a harder sell. And I'll, and I'll be honest and say that there are lots of people who disagree with me, including my own colleagues. Um, but I, I think that that is probably going to be the biggest gray area when it comes to how employers are going to conduct themselves in the future. So my sort of recommendation to all employers right now is to uh, you know, until we get to that all clear alert from Dr. Bonnie Henry, we just continue to implement all of the same measures that we're implementing now right. so that we don't need to get into the nitty gritty with, you know, proving that you have a vaccine, making people have vaccines uh, and dealing with the people who don't. Again, 604-280-9898. You want to discuss that or anything else to do with your employment or employment law, bring it on. The phone lines are open here at the uh, station. Still got a couple minutes to go here. Aaliyah, what's, uh, what's happening in your world, my friend? Yeah, so something I've been getting a lot of questions about um, in my appointments is, is uh, while everybody's waiting for the vaccine to come out and, and for this you know, to be over, is what are their rights with respect to having a, a safe workplace? So what are employees' right to a safe workplace from their employer? Um, while we all kind of deal with the coronavirus uh, together. Um, so many of your viewers may be, they may have heard or reading the stories where grocery store employees, for example, there was one store in the Kootenays where staff were facing some hostility from members of the public 
who weren't wearing a mask or who became quite aggressive when they were asked to follow social distancing measures. And they wondered what they could expect from their employer in those situations. So, so what they should know is that an employer has a legal obligation to ensure a safe workplace for all of their employees. And, and employees have a right to perform their job um, and have, you know, no threats of violence or bullying or harassment when, when they're carrying out their job duties. So as a, just as a first line of defense, if an employee experienced any of that sort of violence or harassment, it's a good idea to let their employer know because their employer can't do anything unless they know about it. Um, the other first line of defense, which is a very good idea for them to go through, is, is WorkSafe BC. So they have to give their employer a chance to, first of all, know what's going on and then kind of try to rectify the situation. But um, it becomes a problem if, if their employer is consistently ignoring feedback, uh, either feedback or direction from WorkSafe BC in this regard, um, uh, or from their employee. And then there could be known, well, what's known as a constructive dismissal. Mm-hmm. And what that is is when there, there are conditions of employment that are seriously different than what was originally agreed upon. So there are certain expectations that are around the employment relationship, either whether that's written down in the contract or expected and there isn't anything written down, um, if that changes significantly, then, then you start to see what might be considered a constructive dismissal. So the first thing to consider in that situation is whether there's enough of a serious degree of, of this harassment, bullying, or violence in the workplace that exists that would support this type of claim. And it's, it's generally pretty fact-specific. It depends on kind of the severity of the misconduct. That's just a term that would mean, you know, what's going on if it's is it just somebody that's becoming a little bit rude to employees when they talk to them and they're going through the checkout line, for example? Or is it somebody that's physically pushing or, or harassing them in a more serious or violent way? That, that's the first thing that we need to look at. And then, of course, there's going to be a difference between um, yeah, v- verbal or physical assault. So it's, it, it's important to note that, uh, that. And then you'd want to look to see if your employer is condoning those issues and if they're not not addressing them properly. So if they know about them and they're not really doing anything to step in at that point, then the employee starts to look like they have a pretty good claim for constructive dismissal because they're continuing to be subjected to that toxic work environment. Um, So what we'd want to see from the employer in that situation is for them to take their best efforts and and some sort of reasonable action to protect their employees from that harassment and and abuse by the customers. they may not be, you know, they can't necessarily be held responsible for conduct that the general public that uh, engages in, if, especially if it's not, if they can't tell if it's going to happen or if it's unavoidable. Gotcha. Um, it would be extremely, you know, challenging, if not impossible, for store owners to ensure that customers never mistreat their staff. And they're not going to be held to such a high standard. But, but I think what we're looking at is if the employer requires the employee to work in that kind of toxic work environment, then that's what would trigger that constructive dismissal claim. So the key is that they have to take all the reasonable measures that are available um, to ensure that they have that surf, uh, safe, safe workplace for their employees. Before we get to uh, to a phone call, Ali, I want to uh, let you continue on with what you're saying about the constructive dismissal angle as well, right? <laughs> yeah, I was getting a little bit carried away. It's just mm, it's an important topic. Awesome. So, um, so yeah, I was just getting into what what it would look like for the employer that uh, what they should be doing in this situation, which, which is really best practices and something that the employee could reasonably expect them to do. And then one of those things is just having policies and procedures in place that kind of address those situations when the employees are faced with you know confrontational, abusive, or violent customers. 
uh, making sure that those are communicated to everybody and then, you know, perhaps providing some sort of frontline training to their to their staff and, and potentially a security guard that would be better, you know, properly trained to handle those situations and, and better suited to do that. So um, so those are just some of the things that employees can, can look for and expect and maybe, you know, talk to their employer about if they're in those situations. Awesome. Again, 604-280-9898 is the way to call in live here to the show, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And we always get to our callers first, top priority. Matt, thanks for standing by. How are you? Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I'm doing well. Thanks. How are you? Excellent. What's uh, what's on your mind, brother? Yeah, so I'm actually an employer, and uh, I've been looking for somebody to drive a forklift for me for um, probably six to eight months. And I've had a whole bunch of people apply on Indeed, that job, job, the uh, website, the Indeed mm-hmm. job search website. And I get the feeling that uh, yeah. people are just doing reasonable job search efforts just in order to show that they're doing their job searches so they can get on EI and continue to go on EI. I think I have about a 25% showing rate for, uh, for interviews through that site. Get I'm out. just wondering if you could comment on that. That's a really that's really interesting because I'm sure that it's not just EI, but when people are terminated from their jobs generally, if they want EI or if they want severance, they are advised by uh, both the government when it comes to EI and, and a good employment lawyer if they're pursuing their severance, that they need to be actively looking for other employment. Now, I know that I can speak for myself and say that I always tell my clients to apply for jobs that you want. And if you end up getting a job, that's good for you. That is good for your personal life. That is something that we want. Even if it does end up impacting your EI claim, even if it does impact your severance claim, um, you know, that is, that is the best case scenario for your life. So only apply for the jobs that you want. However, I do know, I mean, I can't speak to EI, unfortunately, but I do know that there are some lawyers out there that tell individuals to apply for everything and anything under the sun so that they have a record of it. And maybe people also think that that's what they're doing for EI as well. It's very unfortunate because it means that you're wasting resources, perhaps not getting to the people who are genuinely looking for a job. Um, And all that I can do is, is hope that most people hear my message and other people's messages, Aaliyah's message, other lawyers that that are practicing in a way that I think is appropriate, which is to say that you should really only be applying for jobs and taking up the time, resources, and energy of companies that you actually intend on working for. Appreciate the call, Matt. Uh, 604-280-9898 is the way you want to make that call. We'll get to another call lined up here in uh, in just a couple minutes for sure, so stand by for that. That is on the way. In fact, I want to get to, uh, to Yoram. I think Yoram is ready on the line now. Hey, Yoram, how are you? Good afternoon. Yes, go ahead. Oh, yes. Good afternoon. Good, go ahead. What's on your mind? Yeah, I'm on the line? Yes, Alex, go ahead. Yep. Yeah, okay, so uh, my question is this. is um, I, my, It's my personal political belief that, uh, that uh, and, and medical reason as well, that I wouldn't get vaccinated myself. So... Uh, if uh, I don't want to force my guys to get vaccinated, I'm an employer in the pest control industry, and I don't want to uh, uh, force my guys to get vaccinated either. We are doing, of course, extra PPE and uh, gloves and masks and so forth. And of course, we always in the pest control industry wear PPE. So, uh, 
my question is this is can the government force me to force my guys to uh, get vaccinated that's an amazing question um so right now we're in it Yoram, thank you that's uh, that's very interesting so it's Right now, we're not in a situation where there's a mandatory vaccination required for employers to follow. So what that means is that there is no rule that's currently in existence that says that you have to tell your employees that they have to take the vaccine. Um, There are certain public health orders that have been passed down in the province that say that there needs to be responsible social distancing, personal protective equipment, which sounds like you're doing a great job of circulating to your employees. Um, So some of those rules may need to be followed in order to have a safe workplace for not only your employees, but for members of the public that may have to interact with your employees. Um, So as part of that, say if we do get this vaccine and it turns out that that it's available for us all to take um, very soon, and some of your employees don't want to take it, uh, you may be required, for example, to separate them from the rest of the employees or staff who do want to take the vaccine if it's their choice to do so. But there's nothing that indicates right now that this is going to be something that the government forces you to force on your employees. That just wouldn't be right. But I think it's it's fairly new. We don't know yet if this rule will be changed. But the law right now, there's nothing that says that you need to do that. I hope that helps. Alex, appreciate the call and the uh, the time this afternoon to uh, to give us a call. You want to reach out further to Aaliyah or Leah, no problem, 604 283 3123 and the email address anytime is help at employmentlawyer.ca but here and now you still got plenty of time we're just getting uh warmed up here really on a uh, on a sunday afternoon it's only 426 you got to 604-280-9898 that would be the number but severance deadlines here we go everything you need to know is coming up right now we'll get started on this leah i'll throw this uh first question at you and that is how is a typical typical severance offer structured Yeah, and there actually is pretty much a realm of typical here. Uh, You know, there's a certain formula that they all seem to follow. Um, So, I mean, I guess what's first important to keep in mind is that uh, a lot of individuals think that severance is uh, like a reward. It's something that you earn and you are owed regardless, uh, and that's something that should be paid out to you. But that's actually not what your entitlement is at its most foundational uh, level. So as an employee, you are entitled to notice of your termination. And at the very basic, uh, at, at the ground floor of that, it means that you are entitled to be given working notice of your termination. And so a lot of severance offers are structured with that in mind. So if I was going to fire somebody, I would have the obligation to let them know that their termination date is two, three, four, 12 months in the future. And then in the normal course, they would have that period of time to work, look for other jobs, continue to get paid, continue to have access to their benefits until that time comes. uh, And then that's their termination date. And the period before that is the notice that I was entitled to give. Um, In lieu of notice, I can provide severance. I can provide a payment mm. to them. And so a lot of the time, because many employers make the decision that they don't want to fire somebody and then keep them around, uh, a lot of employers think that that sort of poisons the well, um, they decide to pay them out. And so you'll get a letter that's usually presented to you in a meeting or perhaps virtually if, if, if you're being terminated in the age of COVID. Uh, and it will say something to the effect of, you know, Further to our conversation today, you have been terminated effective today. 
uh, this is what we are going to pay you under the Employment Standards Act. We're going to pay you your wages to date. We're going to pay you accrued vacation pay. We're going to pay you your accrued vacation. Uh, and then they're going to offer an additional sum on top of that. Hopefully that is reflective of everything mm -hmm. that you would have received had you continued to work. And then, of course, and this is the topic that we're going to get into after the break, it, there will be a deadline, a deadline by which you're required to accept it. We're talking about severance deadlines, guys, everything you need to know. So, Aliyah, should someone that has been let go be concerned about that deadline and the severance offer? There's one on every severance offer, back page right there at the bottom. You have until you know, Friday at 3 to sign this back to us. What happens if they don't, they don't sign by the deadline? They don't obey it. I get this question all the time. So when you have a document like Leah just went through, you will notice, like you said, at the bottom, there's going to include a deadline about when you need to review everything, sign it, and send it back to the employer um, or perhaps the HR department. But everybody should know that typically, like in almost every situation, these deadlines are completely arbitrary. They're set for predictability and, and to keep things moving along. I've spoke to many employer counsel that have told me that this is the case. I've gotten extensions in these deadlines almost all of the time and they really shouldn't be something that causes you a great deal of anxiety because for the most part they're negotiable so no you shouldn't be concerned about the deadline at all it's very important that you have time to review the offer carefully because it can significantly affect your rights and your entitlements and you need to reflect on what you'd like to do before making that decision so it's also very important for everyone to know that it, and employers know this that agreements that are made when everyone involved has had time to make an informed decision are stronger anyways so giving you enough time to review before signing off is something that can be a benefit for the employer as well. And what that means is if you ask for, you know, if you go to your employer and say, I need some more time to review this before making a decision, chances are they're, they're going to say yes right away and it's not going to be a problem. So in very limited situations, say if you're under an employment contract that limits your severance and you have an offer from an employer that says, you know, they're going to be giving you an additional payment if you sign by a certain date, typically that payment is going to be much less, like maybe $2,000 or less, mm. probably in 1% of the cases, then you may want to pay a little bit more attention to that deadline. Um, but that's only if you have a contract that limits your entitlement in that situation. Um, if you don't have a contract at all, then you don't have to worry about any deadline because it, it is definitely one of those situations where it's completely arbitrary. So, Leah, I mean, why do, why would knowing now, why do employers bother? Is it just something that they do matter-of-factly? Is it a pressure tactic? Why do they do it? Yeah, that is the standard follow-up question to that, isn't it? Because, yeah. you know, yeah. when you hear us say that these deadlines are essentially meaningless, the question is, well, why does anybody do it then, right? Why would my employer require me to sign this by Friday at, at 3? And I think, you know, Aliyah is absolutely right. I think the predictability and moving things along and being able to, to close their file and not have this hanging over their head is a big deal. Um, you know, they also want to, I mean, particularly at this time of the year, a lot of fiscal years are coming to the end, so they want to get certain liabilities off the books. There are all sorts of reasons why somebody just sort of wants to know that something has been wrapped up and signed off on. Uh, but, you know, I think that once you've done this for long enough, too, you start to see that more often than not, it is a very transparent pressure tactic. You have a lot of employers who um, who put in the letter something to the effect of, you know, you're only entitled to two weeks under the Employment Standards Act, but in in the spirit of, of generosity, we are going to offer you another one week, but you have to sign this in 45 minutes or or it's off the table. And, and people understandably panic because 
you know, as soon and we've talked about this before, John. Where as soon as you feel like something is on the meter, something's on the clock, it starts to it starts to weigh down on you, and you start to feel well, you know, this must be something that they are offering without having to, because why else would it be time limited? If this was something that I was entitled to as a matter of right, then that is just something I'm entitled to, and no passing of a deadline is going to change that. But it is it is a trick, and I would like to think that most companies, most employers aren't. Actively trying to trick people,、um, but I think that you will get a lot who aren't particularly concerned that that is the most common side effect to a deadline. And so, Ali is absolutely right. We often get people who call in and say, you know, I have this deadline.、Uh, you know, I need to speak to somebody. And you know, unfortunately, if if we're really busy, which we have been over the last couple of months, sometimes we can't speak to somebody for a couple of days. And the most common response to that is, well, I have this deadline tomorrow. And as Aliyah said, the best thing that you can do, whether you've been terminated for cause, whether you have a contract, or whether you don't, is to just ask for an extension. I personally have seen an extension denied once, one、wow. time. So you have to ask for that extension, and feel free to put it in black and white, put it in writing, because that'll put the pressure on too. Just say to them, "I need to seek legal advice." No、yeah. company that has any sense of their legal obligation whatsoever is going to deny you the extension when you say it's to seek legal advice. We got a couple minutes before we got a break. Got time to get to Al on the line here. Al, thanks for standing by.、Uh, good afternoon. Go ahead. What's、uh, what's your question, pal? Hi,、uh, I was working construction. Ended up working、uh, pretty closely with somebody who got sick with the corona. They tested positive. I was told to take two weeks off of work. Then、uh, I told my employer, "Yeah, I'm going to collect the EI and the three days that they said that they would pay anybody that was affected by the corona. You get three days、uh, company pay." Nice. So I get back to work after the two weeks, and just、uh, the Friday before was my payday, and they direct deposit. It was minus a bunch of money,、uh, the three days. Uh, that they were supposed to pay, and then I get back Monday. I can't get my、um, uh, check stub, and I can't get a record of employment. The employer tells me that I have to go on this CERB program for the two weeks off. Well, I go to collect the CERB, and you cannot、uh, apply for the CERB if you've already applied for EI, which I'd already applied for, and I need the record of employment to get my EI going. Now the employer says to me, "If I don't like it, pack up your tools and leave." What do I do? <laughs> oh my goodness, that escalated quickly. <laughs> no、um, kidding. So, I mean, I guess my question first and foremost for you is, what do you want to do? Do you want to keep working there and just get the pay for for sir? Well, I'd、Hello? like to、uh, first of all get some money going here because I'm out some money,、sure. and then I had to self、uh, isolate for two weeks. And the employer is saying to me, "No, if you go on the EI, we got to pay the vacation pay." Well, no, there's no vacation going on here. I'm stuck at home, <laughs> going nowhere. Right. 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 <laughs> So, well, look. If, if they have to do,、uh, like I like the crew、okay. I work with, which is a big part of construction work. So you know, and up and quick. You know, I'd rather stick around and and have them lay me off than to quit, right? No, certainly don't quit. So anytime an employer says to you, you know, take it or leave it. 
right? You do not have to leave it. And if they want to get you to leave, then they need to terminate you. They need to lay you off. They need to terminate you. And then you absolutely should call us. But I will say if there is any sort of policy out there that says that, you know, this is the three days that you're going to get. And by policy, it doesn't need to be some fancy document that's, you know, laminated in the break room. It can be an email that was sent to everybody that said, we are going to give you three days paid if you have to go. That is technically something that you can hold them to. And you can hold them to that at the employment standards branch. So with respect to those three days, you should absolutely take them up on that. And just very quickly on the issue of social assistance, your employer can't force you to get a certain type of social assistance. That is up to you. It's your choice and what's available to you. So if you've already applied for EI and they're withholding your record of employment, that is also something that you can do at the employment standards branch. So I would bring a complaint with the employment standards branch. And if they fire you or they or they lay you off, give Aaliyah and I a call and we will absolutely help you and make sure that you get what you're entitled to. And a website that is uh, easy for you to use. It's absolutely free. It's anonymous. Call pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Pretty much uh, it's, a, it's a Bible of employment law there before you even call Aaliyah or Leah. Have a look at the website. Spend some time there. And wrapped up in the website is the good old-fashioned and good old trustworthy severance pay calculator, which has literally been used by hundreds of thousands of people over the last few years. Uh, that is wrapped up into uh, Pocket Employment lawyer.ca there's even a section on disability law if you look because there's a lot of interplay between disability law and employment law and i know we talk about that sometimes as well anyway back to severance deadlines guys um if someone signs a severance offer because they felt pressured by a deadline can they do something about it yeah so i'll take that one i mean that one is um it's it's a it's a tougher question because uh, the answer, well, like so many of our answers, is that it depends. Um, but it's a it's a rare situation. I will say that it, it you know it does depend on what you sign. So if you just sign an acknowledgement that you've received your minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act, that's fine. But if you sign anything that has release language, like uh, you know, in in exchange for the additional two weeks that we're offering you, you are going to forever release the company. You are never going to sue us, et cetera, et cetera. That becomes much, much, much harder to get out of. Courts, you know, tend to uphold contracts and a release is a contract. So in order to, I mean, but I will say though, if you did feel pressure, if you did feel like something was not right about the situation, I don't want you to hear what I'm saying and think, well, I signed it. There's nothing I can do. I would still very much encourage you to speak to a lawyer because, you know, if, if somebody puts you into a room, puts the letter in front of you, you know, puts their hand down on it and says, you can't leave until you sign this. And I, and I granted that's a pretty extreme example, but something to that effect where you don't have time to consider it you know it can be the the more pages the more unlikely it is that it's going to be enforced against you if you are pressured into signing it in a situation like that then there is the chance that we can overturn it i have successfully negotiated on behalf of some clients where you know uh they were told uh, at a group meeting that everybody was going to be terminated they were all handed letters and then they were asked to sign uh, by the end of the day. And this was on a weekend, so law offices weren't open. Uh, and my uh, particular client, her English was a second language. Uh, and the document that we were talking about was, you know, 15 pages in length. It was dense, dense, dense with legal language. Um, and we successfully settled her severance claim and she, she did very well for herself. So I do hmm. think that there are some situations which are so 
obviously unfair, just had so much pressure attached to it that you, you can, you can honestly make the argument that that person did not know what they were signing and they were pressured to do it. But I, I would say that in the vast majority of cases, um, they are going to be upheld. So please make sure that y you don't give in to that pressure, that you excuse yourself, uh, that you tell them you have to seek legal advice and you take your time, uh, sleep on it, speak to your family, and most importantly, speak to a lawyer. Okay, so you're at that point, right? You've, you've lost your job. You've been handed a severance package. Your offer, it's got a deadline on it. Uh, you're shocked. You're panicking. You're stressed. Aaliyah, what do you do? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, the first thing you should do is take a moment and breathe and collect yourself because it's usually a big shock and that's completely understandable. I think, unfortunately, what Leah touched on is in a lot of the situations, there are more nefarious reasons why the employers put that deadline in there. It's usually maybe a week or so, so it just seems reasonable. But, but then, you know, she mentioned now there's some situations where it could be even less than that. So take some time. Know that you can always ask for more time. Um, so that you can get legal advice because that can be a very important element in determining what's right and what's wrong. You need to know kind of the context of what you're entitled to before you know uh, what that document means. Um, you should also make sure that you have all your employment documents because you're going to need that to see what is, uh, you know, what rules apply to your situation. So mainly what you should be looking for is an employment contract and any handbook or policy that you have uh, that you may have signed over the years. If you haven't signed one, then that's fine. You can move on, you know, to the next step, which would be um, either asking, uh, you know, setting up an appointment with a lawyer so that you can have everything reviewed, having the severance document reviewed properly and get that advice. Um, or if you don't have your contract and you think you may have signed one over the years, then this is a really good time to reach out to your employer and ask them for another copy so that you have that for your eventual appointment. Um, and then in that appointment, you can speak with a counsel, speak with counsel, speak with a lawyer that will know what to look for and, and how to advise you um, to tell you if that offer is fair or not. Two excellent lawyers on the show here this week. You want to take advantage any time you can. <laughs> here is, uh, here's how you do that, 604-283-3123. That is the number to reach out after the show is done, help at employmentlawyer.ca. So when can an employment lawyer help you? How about when you've been let go from your job with or without with or without cause for that matter? How about that, Leah? Oh yeah, I mean that's that's about ninety five percent of what I do sure. um, is yeah. is dealing with terminations and dealing with you know the the ramifications and the consequences of that and specifically what you are entitled to in terms of severance. So regardless of what the reason is for your termination, whether you completely understand it or whether it's a, you know, completely sidelines you, um, this is something that you should be reviewing with a lawyer because the reason for your termination doesn't ultimately matter. It's not legally relevant unless you have been terminated with cause or unless that reason is discriminatory. So one of my main focuses as an employment lawyer, one of the main focuses of most employment lawyers circles around severance. And, um, and if you have been let go, you know, you can give us a call. We do free consultations to review the package. And what that call will essentially look like is, you know, discussing with you the circumstances of your termination. Um, of course, answering any questions that you have but primarily making sure that your severance package reflects what your actual legal entitlements are. Um, Google is 
very misleading. This is why I think that this is not a situation that Google can be helpful. Um, this is certainly a situation where an employment lawyer is needed. I see non-employment lawyers get this wrong all the time because there is just so much misinformation out there. Um, so if you, you know, by all means, Google it, right? Do your own background research, but understand that th this is why Aaliyah and I have these jobs. And this is why I think we're always yeah. going to have these jobs is because people just don't know what their obligations are from an employer perspective. And people don't know what their rights are from an employee's perspective. So if you've been let go, let us review that package for you. Let us make sure that the notice period actually reflects what you are entitled to by law. Um, and of course, that it that it also reflects the full scope of your compensation package. So benefits and bonuses and commissions and everything that you were going to get while you were working should also be in your severance package. Ali, you got about a minute and a half. I'll leave this last one for you. Uh, when an employment lawyer can help, and this one's really topical with all the temporary layoffs going across the country, and that is when significant changes have been made uh, to your job without your permission. What do you think about that one? Yeah, that's... That's okay. My goodness, this is very important. So this is a perfect situation where you may want to consult counsel because you there's always going to be a threshold determination that needs to be made. And it's very difficult to interpret the law uh, to see if that threshold has been met. So your best situation, the best thing that you can do here is to keep a record, a very clear record, either with yourself or ideally in an email to your employer, letting them know that you're aware of the change that's being made and what exactly the change is. And then having those changes reviewed to see if it meets that that threshold to to be considered a constructive dismissal. Um, gotcha. So that's that's a, a great opportunity to have counsel review that for you. Leah, nicely done. Leah, always nicely done, guys. It's time for a little bit of a break. We're getting into the uh, the holiday time, so uh, an amazing show. It's been a heck of a 2020 as far as this show is concerned. We'll take a short break, reconvene. Yeah. I know both of you guys have so much more to tell everybody. But if you want to reach out now to Leah or Leah, you can do so with the firm. The number is simple, 604-283-3123. You can use the email address, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And as I mentioned a few times, it's like having a lawyer with you at all times. Not nearly as pretty and as intelligent of these two ladies but still useful that is pocketemploymentlawyer.ca it's free it's anonymous it's a good website use it and get much more knowledge guys we'll catch you again next time employment law show this is cknw